Welcome to the Tapping Into podcast with Sarah Tobin. That's me. I've created this podcast to help you discover and tap into spiritual, alternative and natural practices that could really change your life. I've been on a spiritual journey my whole life and I'm now an EFT or tapping practitioner. In this podcast, I have honest conversations on topics that I hope will deepen your soul connection, allow you to reclaim your power and confidence, know that you're not alone and feel inspired to find out more. I really hope this helps you on your journey. Welcome to the final episode of season two. And today I'm talking about yoga and shamanism with my local yoga teacher, Eddie. He is an incredible guy. His energy is infectious. He is bubbly, kind, loving, all around fantastic guy. And I loved doing yoga and meditation with him. I really wanted to bring his story to you today because he has come from adversity, childhood adversity and primarily young adult addiction and how he's overturned that addiction, walked a spiritual path through finding yoga as an an entry or a doorway is is really powerful and it just shows you the the change that you can make in your life when you really want to. Yeah, Eddie's just a fab guy and I really hope you enjoy listening to his story and follow him online. You can find him at Mango Man Movement. That's M-A-N-G-O-M-A-N-M-O-V-E-M-E-N-T. Mango Man Movement. He runs lots of courses and classes online, but he's also doing some really cool things locally for anybody in the Worthing, Shoreham, Brighton area. Keep an eye out uh, for Eddie and hopefully Eddie and I will do something together in the future too. So here it is. It's another slight issue with recording, but this time you don't get all my ums and ahs. So you're probably going to be quite pleased about this one. I'm very silent throughout most of this episode and Eddie gets time to shine so have fun enjoy and if you've liked this season if you've liked any episodes please share and please leave a review apple or spotify thanks for listening take care Welcome, Eddie, to the podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, thanks for having me. I'll just start by giving a bit of background as to uh, how we're here and how I know you. So it was 2019 and I started to go to Hot Pod Yoga in Worthing. And you were one of the teachers that uh, my friends recommended. And we started to go quite regularly. You really stood out to me as a really different yoga teacher. Your classes felt very deep and very spiritual. And one or two of the meditations that you guided us through at the end of class, I swear I had like an outer body experience while doing it. At that point, I knew that you were just something different. You're just quite a different teacher. Yeah. And then we decided to host a workshop together. It was January 2020. We met and planned a workshop about helping to release the limiting beliefs that we have through tapping and yoga but then obviously that all got cancelled and we weren't able to Mm. proceed with that for the time being and when we first had that conversation in the coffee shop you've told me your story how you came to yoga and the journey that you've been on and all the places that you've been and the people that you met And I was just so fascinated. And I really want you to share that journey with us today. It was a, uh, it was a long journey into, into yoga. Um, But it all started from a physical sense, um, from injury, uh, stiffness in my body, um, trying to, um, to find some more ease um, and softness. I'd been training in bodybuilding for quite a few years. So I was in my early twenties and something didn't feel right in my body and yoga was calling me, but 
it took me a couple of years to go to my first yoga class from my from, from when I first had that interest, and I, I, you know, I was, I was getting that gravitational pull towards it. Uh, it took me a, a while to to build up some courage to to go to my first class. I think it's like starting anything. You have all these um, preconceived ideas and self uh, and limiting thoughts and beliefs that hold us back from starting new things. So I used to walk past the yoga studio. There's a yoga studio around from the corner from the gym I used to work in. And I used to walk walk past and peer through the windows going, ah, oh, like maybe today and walked on and yeah, it took me a couple of years. It sounds like you were drawn to it, but also had a big block. Oh, I had a massive block. And only now I realized genuinely when we have a block with something, it's going to be really good for you and really nourishing. Um, and through my journey of yoga, I don't really have blocks anymore. If I, if I see something, something interests me, I can, I just, I just go. Um, but back then I had lots of blocks, blocks in all aspects of my life, not, not just in a, in a physical sense, but I built up the courage and I booked my first class and it was Bikram yoga. Everything I did was yang. Basically, um, I trained hard and then uh, obviously the, the type of yoga I was going to do was going to be the most <laughs> hardcore masculine yoga um i had a few friends who would go in and they're like oh eddie you love it like it's the heat it's the sweat um you know it's like a workout so that's how i got over this sort of block i was like it's a workout so i can do this and i went to my first class and i thought i was a fit guy i thought i was fit and strong and after that first class i was battered like it knocked me for six um but laying in shavasana at the end there was just this amazing feeling through my whole body i couldn't understand it couldn't explain it and i was like okay i need to come back to this being the type of person i i i was back then and kind of am now i threw myself into it and went five six days a week sometimes twice a day <laughs> and yeah that was my journey into it. and i practiced bikram for about four or five years uh, on and off I go through periods of going every day for months and I might have a few months off it was kind of this on and off on and off journey into the physical practice of yoga asana because in, in Brickham we wasn't learning anything else about yoga it was pure physical practice just like and after a while my curiosity grew for other aspects of yoga because I was having all these experiences in class that I couldn't understand much like your experience in in my class with the the meditation and these places that you go and I was like where like what is happening here like why I was intrigued to to find out the deeper levels of what was happening to me in these asanas in these postures um so I started to study yoga at a, a bit more depth but I took a few years to get to that point so were you just self-taught to start with before you did your teacher training Yes, I was studying yoga for a long time before I did my teacher training. So I had quite a broad understanding of yoga when I went into my teacher training. Um, but yeah, my my it was probably four or five years of the, the the physical side of yoga until I started going into like the self-realization, self-discovery and the spiritual aspects of, of yoga as well, um, which helped me change my life. Among other practices as well, I won't put it all down to there's, there's loads of things but I was in a I was stuck in a hard place um even though I was going to yoga and I was um, working in the fitness industry um I had a, a bad relationship with drugs I had a bad relationship um with myself uh, and just lots of things that we all kind of go through and all have to work through um but it got to the point where I wanted to to change and make a change and that conscious decision to make a change led me into, okay, what's happening inside me? Why am I having these blocks? Or why do I have these thoughts? Or why do I have these habitual tendencies to, to self-harm? And because um, self-harm comes in many ways in our thoughts and our actions. So yeah, so I started into that journey, which is a <laughs> quite, quite a deep journey. And did you have to hit rock bottom before you were able to go there? For me, yes. Yeah, I hit complete rock bottom. Um, so do you mind sharing what that looked like for you? Because it sounds like you had an addictive personality. Yes. my Well, my addictive personality is something I've been able to tame and kind of um, recognise now. Because when I get in, I think we all kind of do it as humans. Like we find something that makes us 
feel good and we go well, i'm gonna do this all the time so whether that's drugs or whether that's running or going to the gym or whether it's following a specific diet we all have this well many of us have this tendency to be like this is it and at first for me it was drugs and you know when you first take start taking drugs it's amazing like it's like um it's mind-blowing but then after a while um it gets a hold of you and you can't function without it uh, and I see the same thing happen with people with exercise as well. Um, they become addictive and they're in the gym every day, every day, and they end up just destroying their bodies. Um, so that tendency came through in my yoga as well, when I'd be going twice a day sometimes, and I started doing probably doing too much and harming myself um, through overstretching uh, and the heat as well. Bikram yoga is... <laughs> It's hot. You, you dehydrate a lot hotter than you've come to hot pod, but the temperature's hotter. Classes are 90 minutes as well. So it's a big strain on the body. So yeah, working through those, those, those tendencies coming, uh, eventually coming away from, from drugs, uh, and to come away from drugs, I actually took myself out of the country, out of the, out of my surroundings. And I went traveling for a year. And that's the big pinnacle when everything changed that time away. Um, a lot of time for reflection. I couldn't get into my usual habitual um, uh, habits, my, my addictions. They weren't there anymore. So I had to find something else. So I kind of, sounds a bit cliche, but ended up finding myself. I can't believe you actually said like Elizabeth Gilbert from Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> love that. What drove you to pack up and sell everything and just leave? Was there a particular moment where you just thought, I just have to leave now? Um, passing out on the train on the way to work after a heavy weekend of taking lots of drugs, basically. Um, the last year of, so I was taking drugs, like hardcore, um, like class A drugs consistently for around 10 years. Um, the first five, six years were amazing. It was the honeymoon period. I had control over it. I, you know, I was in the gym Monday to Friday, uh, training, bodybuilding, um, on my diet. And then the weekends I was going raving, taking drugs. And then I'll be back on my, back on my shit, so to speak on Monday. And I had control over it. And that worked for a very long time. And then slowly, I don't know how, I don't know what happened, but it started slipping into my weekdays. Um, and in that last year, it got to the point where I was um, like sniffing coke by myself at home on a weekday. I would go to the gym, say I did a morning shift, come back at 3 p.m. I'd have a client, a personal training client, and even at five, there were times when I would sniff coke between that, smoke a spliff to calm down and then go train someone. <laughs> And then come back and then maybe have a, a beer, maybe some uh, something else, and then wake up and go, go into work the next day. So the accumulation of training hard, being in the gym all the time, not getting much sleep, destroying my body on the weekends, my body started to fail. And no amount of yoga or anything could could help my body. I was just overdoing it. I had I I, I completely um destroyed my 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 central nervous system. I wasn't getting much sleep. I wasn't rested. So I started getting lots of injuries and, and I guess that spurred on more depression because I couldn't do what I loved because I couldn't train because I kept on having these injuries. But it was in like November uh, in 2015, I think, 14, 15, I was on the way to work and it was on a busy train. I worked in London Bridge in the gym and I was on the train and I just felt, started feeling a bit funny. I was a bit hungover because I'd been on it all weekend and I was feeling a bit funny. And next thing I know, I woke up on the floor with someone over me trying to, trying to wake me up. And I just, I just passed out basically. I completely blacked out. And that was the wake up call. That was like, oh, okay. Sh like my body is telling me something's really not right here. Um, two weeks later, I handed my notice into work. A month and a half later, I was on a plane to Thailand and that was it. Yeah, that was it. Spent a year away, um, a year away from drugs, from drink, from, from 
yeah, from everything. How did you find that transition to go from somebody completely depleted and addicted and possibly, you know, physically broken and emotionally numb? Mm. How did you go about repairing that and finding yourself? What tools did you use and and what helped you on that journey? Um, a lot of time and space. Uh, not a lot of distractions to kind of really, there's a lot of bus journeys, like 17 hour bus journeys. <laughs> a lot of lot of lot of shit went down on those bus journeys like inside um so yeah time and space we don't get it here well not, not at least not when i was living in london there's 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 you're working you're coming home you've got your partner you've got family you've got um engagements you know you want to go and see people you want to go you don't really get time and space that's why people you know sit down meditate for half an hour but there's not you know for me, it was having, you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a phone. I didn't need to speak to anyone. I was away for a whole year. Um, so the most healing thing for me was the the space to being able to realize actually like what is going on in my head um, and kind of studying yoga gave me the tools to kind of help to not analyze, but realize and identify my thoughts, feelings, and emotions and where they are coming from um and that realization helped me to kind of set myself free so to speak because before everything was happening to me you know everything was against me and then when i realized that actually i'm in con not in con well yeah in control because we're in control of our reactions life is always going to happen stuff in life is going to happen and what kind of decides if we perceive something as positive or negative is how we react to it. And I realized I'd been reactive my whole life, but not in control of my reactions. But once I started to control or understand and observe situations and then choose how to react, that's when the tipping point changed in my life. And I was like, oh, I, I do have control. This stuff isn't happening to me. Everything is, um, again, it's cliche. Everything's happening for me to have a, a realization to grow in some sort in some sense and gosh you really did grow and in a short space of time I imagine yeah 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 I was a change when I, when I came back I was com completely changed um not a change in the sense of who I was because I was still Eddie and I'm still Eddie um just maybe an updated version um but my perspective of life and how to interact with life have, have changed so we don't have to go through big changes, just the way we perceive things as to um, uh, changing the way we perceive things can help to bring huge amount of change elsewhere in your life. So obviously yoga taught you the tools to help you through that process and beyond. How did you find the spiritual side? I mean, were you spiritual up to the point before all of this happened in your life? Um, I've always been interested in uh forms of spirituality and it was something like it was my like hidden alter ego because growing up none of my friends were spiritual um some of my friends were religious and i was i I'd never got on with religion and for a long time i thought i didn't believe in anything because i was so anti-religion because I, I just didn't I, I didn't connect with it but then i'd always even from a young age i'd like i'd read books on buddhism i'd read books on sh uh, shamanism and this is the thing. So between those 10 years of me going through addictions and being depressed and um, there was a side of me that was kind of interested in studying all of these practices, mindfulness, um, different um, uh, spiritualities from like Taoism to Buddhism to, to uh, bits and bobs about yoga before before yoga is more like in Chinese philosophies like Taoism and, and, and Buddhism so I knew all the stuff and I could talk the talk and I helped a lot of people through talking the talk but I wasn't practicing it myself um I was always the 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 the, 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 the person in the friendship groups that people would come to with their problems 
and I would help them solve, solve their problems. I would always be that person, even from school, I was always that person to someone lean on, you know, like lean on me, let's talk and talk them through it. So I was great at helping other people, but I couldn't practice it myself. So I could tell you exactly what to do, but I would go home and smoke a spliff and chill out. I wouldn't do any of the stuff. So when I went traveling away, I started to put into practice everything that I had been learning over the last 10 years. But before there was too many distractions. I was too, uh, I was too excitable to, you know, going to parties and I wasn't ready to, to live that way. Although there's a massive part of me that wanted to, had this like massive tussle inside of me because I, I knew I knew all this stuff and I knew I could live this amazing life, but I was getting pulled back by my, my lifestyle. Put things into practice and it works, funny enough, <laughs> when you actually start practicing all that stuff. I was like, oh, wow, this, this, this stuff actually, this stuff works. So then after having the experience of how it can work and spending a couple of years and just completely redesigning my my life and my my consciousness and my mind I was like now I can actually authentically teach this to people because I've experienced it now and this stuff does work um and that led me on the, the quest to becoming a yoga teacher and so do you think you had to have that breakdown and have to have that experience to be your authentic self and to support others as you are as Eddie oh for sure for sure um and everyone has their different avenues into this stuff so not everyone needs to so what I like to do as a teacher is find ways of people, of, 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 of assisting people coming to these realizations without having to hit rock bottom. So some people, some people would just have to hit rock bottom. That's their path. That's their journey. But some people can be, I don't like to use the word saved, but some people can be, can be, can be saved from having to hit rock bottom if they're shown the tools. I had any mentors growing, growing up at all. My mentors were drug dealers and um, gangsters. I've seen with your classes that they actually started to get more full with men. It's like you're acting as a mentor for them to show them that yoga is maybe a different way to things that they have done in the past. And you kind of, you know, stand there with your awesome London accent, foot covered in tattoos and show them that if, if you can do yoga, and meditate and connect to yourself deeply then so can they yeah that's a great change that's definitely what I've seen from the outside how do you feel mm. about that from your perspective I had an amazing um transformation by connecting to uh, my femininity and it's something that I'd suppressed my whole life growing up in a very masculine environment. So growing up, all my best friends were girls. From when I was two years old, um, my best friend was um, was Bridget. <laughs> then when I went to secondary uh, um, uh, reception, my best friend was Frankie. And I went to secondary school, like all my best friends were girls. And I would like, I remember at lunchtime, like all the boys going out to play football and I was in the classrooms doing dance routines with the girls. So I always had that, that side to me. Um, but the older I got, the more I suppressed it. So I was surrounded by a lot of toxic masculinity. And and to be honest, that probably saved me, that toxic masculinity growing up. So I grew up in a rough area um, where you kind of had to be masculine to, to, to get by. But what happens is we grow up and a lot of us stay trapped within that that toxic masculinity and we don't let it go. And I, I see it play out in 30 year olds, 40 year olds, 50 year olds. Um, so when I really got into to, to my yoga and connecting to myself, I allowed my feminine energy to rise and I connected to my feminine energy and realized it made me stronger, but softer at the same time. And I wanted to help men to not be afraid of their feminine energy and understanding that everything has to be in balance. Too much masculinity causes an imbalance, which causes problems. What I could, what I could see. So for someone who doesn't know what the divine feminine and the divine masculine is and the characteristics of each, and how did that relate to you? So what characteristics had you been suppressing and which characteristics had you been able to reconnect with? Um, 
Well, in the sense of my um, my feminine aspects, this is my uh, create creativity was a, a huge part of it, and um, and even within my movement. So, generally, blokes will go to the gym and just push weights, and I'm generalizing massively here, but from my experience, and we do quite linear movements, so everything is quite robotic, you know, squats and deadlifts, and even like other forms of movement was always quite rigid bringing in the feminine qualities allow me to loosen allow me to move my hips allow me to move my spine which in turn helps you to move energy through the body so I had a lot of stuck energy from my rigidness of um, being in my masculine so much so that allowed me to kind of move that energy around and the divine masculine was to be truthful and honest and not have to hide aspects of myself, not have to uh, tell lies, all these like white lies we do as men, you know, like simple stuff like not admitting that we're upset or sad, not allowing us to cry. So when I started to allow these, these things, allow myself to cry, allow myself to be upset, speak to someone about how I actually feel instead of just saying oh I'm okay I started to release and release and release and release and this helped me release physical pain in my body but also helped me to release this burden I've been carrying of being a hard strong man and really inside I was weak so if I can even help one man connect to that then I'm kind of winning in a in a sense and I think that sometimes it's happened in my class a few times when they see see me being vulnerable, it allows them to be vulnerable as well. Um, and there's quite a few men I've held and they've cried and it's been, yeah, it's been really healing for both of us. Gosh, that's just so beautiful and really needed, isn't it? Um, and I know that you have run men's circles. So tell me a bit more about that. How did they come about? so men's circles so like this is when we was in london i brought them to burden as well but in london like i girl like they was in this yoga community and there's this women's circle once a month and you know i see my partner and she was going off to women's circles and i was like i want to go to a women's circle Amazing. and I was like well I'm not allowed and it's like why isn't and then that kind of spurred the thought like why isn't there something like this for for men so me and my friends put on a men's circle and there's four of us and we just got together and it was like okay like we understand the the parameters and what happens within these circles so let's let's do the same so we had this talking circle so we had a stick and we passed around the stick we knew each other quite well so we could and we're already all the all the guys I was with had already kind of uh were exploring uh their femininity and were very open which was great so we started to talk and the first person held the stick and he started to express how he was feeling and it got really emotional and every one of us could recognize something within ourselves that was similar to what he was going through it went round and then in with every person although the external situation they were going through was different the way it was being internalized was the same so we was all feeling the same in, in, in inside and then then that made me realize that oh like wow so all these guys are going through this stuff but they, they're not speaking about it so they're feeling isolated which then when you feel isolated in it it, it, it heightens the anxiety it heightens the depression it, it, it heightens the the sense of feeling lonely um because you're not able to express yourself so that was the first like big like penny drop i was like wow so we're all going through the same stuff inside so we started inviting people into the men's circles um and then it just kind of grew from grew from there then we started playing around with different stuff we started you know i was big into breath work and so men generally uh have this exterior that most women don't have so you, you get into a women's circle women can just drop into and again generalizing here but are able to drop into their vulnerability 
speak about what's going on hold uh, and and the other women are able to hold that space as well men usually if a man breaks down and cries the other men just get uncomfortable <laughs> don't know what to do and try and just like bypass that i realized that after a few circles and having people come in and who who had that exterior we had to do practices to kind of help soften a little bit so we started doing like breath work and um, chanting was an amazing one so we chant rounds and rounds and rounds of just like syllables and and um just sounds that help to just open everything out and also within the chanting you create this like energetic field of, uh, and you connect to each other in a in a way that's really hard to hard to explain unless you experience it and then through the breathing through the chanting suddenly whew, men started spilling out their hearts and yeah that was really amazing but the reason I started it is because I pretty much like all the stuff I do is because I I, I want it and it doesn't exist so I just create it so I was like right I need a men's circle like I need this I put one on <laughs> I feel sorry for the men who turn up and then I'm just like pouring my because I always go first to to show my vulnerability and to set the tone uh, and it's just amazing just watching the how uncomfortable it starts and by the end how that's just completely dispersed and gone um but yeah it's not for everyone it's not for everyone there's some some guys who come and they just they don't speak but a lot of the power within these circles is the, is the listening and hearing other people's stories even though someone may not spill out their heart or speak much there's still some level of healing happening in that circle what I've realized from doing these circles is a circle isn't the best environment for men I think some for well, from experience so last year me and my friend Jamie took we didn't take six, but the six of us, we put this out. We wanted to climb this mountain. I had this men's WhatsApp group. I said, who wants to come to this, climb this mountain? And it ended up being, I think eight of us went, six or eight of us went. And the whole weekend, it was two nights in this little cow shed bunker on, in Wales. <laughs> and through that experience, I realized the bonding we did with having a, um, having something to, tackle and accomplish a mission it was to climb this, this this mountain yeah a task and doing it together and all the little talks that happened up and down that mountain we did a few practices along the way just to help open up and then being in that bunker huddled down like cooking food on this stove and playing music and singing together it was the it was the togetherness of being with men in a situation where we're not trying to outdo each other when there wasn't um one-upmanship happening and it was the experience that was healing more than the actual talking and the things that were said so I was in talks with a friend to start putting on like experiences where we would take men whether it's going to the, the sea and going cold water swimming or climbing a mountain or finding uh, a task to do together and then letting stuff unfold within that within that task and we're still going to do this at some point uh but we just haven't been able to plan it because everything just <laughs> stopped <laughs> so hopefully next year we will do some sort of um some sort of men's event rather than a circle so you mentioned earlier that you've undergone a lot of different teachings and trainings and explored different practices mm. so i really would like to to chat with you about the shaman training that you did so tell me how did that come about that feels quite deep spiritually so how did that evolve from you know yoga to shamanism so um again like it's funny how the life circles happen and the um trajectory of of, of when you find things and then when it comes full circle shamanism was something i started to get into when i was like 18 um just reading little bits little um books here and there and just kind of being a bit curious about it started to um experiment with mushrooms um uh, psilocybin and having experiences with these these plants and then just stopped don't know what happened i think probably maybe that's when i really started going <laughs> hitting parties and going raving um i just lost my interest in it and then it came back full circle in my late 20s when 
I think someone handed me a book on shamanism again and I was like oh yeah like shamanism um and started watching some documentaries about people and going to the, the Amazon and so my interest started to to grow again and when I got back from traveling I met up with a yoga teacher called Felix Price um he was practicing yoga just around the corner from my mum's house I'd moved back with my mum I'd broken up with my my, my partner I moved, that's a whole other story I moved back with my mum I was back at my mum's house and I was trying to start this new life after coming back from, from traveling and I went and met Felix and the way he was practicing yoga it was he practices what he calls mixed spiritual arts which is what I'd been practicing my my whole life is a using different spiritual modalities and merging them together so he had aspects of tai chi and qigong in his class he had like aspects of shamanism in his class like shamanic cleansing all combined with the yoga and i remember after that first class i was like this is my home and that's why i for a few years in london trained with him every day um so that brought me back into into shamanism and then I was really interested in doing some sort of energy healing. I've always kind of like knew that I could access something. And I was at an event where I was selling my turmeric paste. I still make this turmeric paste, not as much as I used to, but I used to sell this turmeric paste. I used to go around to London, in London to go into different events, set up my stool. And I put a prayer out that I wanted to do some sort of energy healing, but I didn't want to do Reiki because it didn't connect with it. Everyone, everyone was doing Reiki. I said, there's something else. And literally like three days later, I'm at this event and there's this lady sitting up her stool next to me and she was struggling with her banner. It's one of those banners that comes in a, a long, a long tube and you pull it up, shh, you put the stick behind it, the banner. And I was like, oh, I can, I'd finished setting up. All I had was a, a shawl and my turmeric glass and nothing fancy. So I pull it up, and it says sh shamanic healing. And I was like, wow, that's not, a, <laughs> that's not a sign. So I signed up and it's literally pulling up a sign of, of somatic healing. I was like, oh my God, wow. And at the time I had no money, I was making maybe £50 a week or something if I was lucky. And I spoke to the person who was there selling the course and uh, they had their tier system and they said, look, if you're, if, if you're unemployed or don't have much money, we can give it to you at this discounted rate. So I just took all my money out of my pocket or everything I made from the thing and bang, paid for this course, not knowing anything about the guy who took the course, wasn't there. He had one of his helpers there selling the course. He's a guy called Kapal De Silva. Um, you can find him on uh, Instagram and Facebook and whatnot. He's an amazing, amazing teacher. So I just rocked up to this course, not knowing anything about it, totally open. And he taught us energy healing from a shamanic perspective. And yeah, it blew my mind and I really connected with it. And part of our homework before we could get our like certification was to do 50 healings for free. So I put a thing on my Instagram, said I'm giving free healings. Next thing I know, I'm North London, West London, South, going all over the place, doing these, these healings, getting my practice in. And from there, my interest grew more into um, shamanic energy work and also shamanic Cosmovision, the philosophy, um, the outlook, a shamanic outlook. And at the same time, parallel to this, I was studying Tantra. And I was seeing so many similarities in the kind of philosophy in between um, shamanism and Tantra. And I was like, wow, there's something, these things go together somehow. And Give thanks for for Google how it you know like when you 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 look at something on your phone and then you go on Instagram and then that thing is an advert on in, on Instagram yeah so they're always like tracking our stuff. But my partner had been studying some shamanism as well and some some tantra and we were looking for a yoga course. In my head, I was always going to India. I'm going definitely going to India to do my yoga. And she called me, said Eddie, I found this course, and I was like, go ahead. She goes, first of all, it's in Ecuador. It's in Ecuador, and straight away, barry up. No, nope, we're going to India. We have to go to India. And um, I spoke to a few people and they're like, you don't have to go to India. Go, go, go wherever you want. And this course was a Tantra and shamanism course. Um, so it was 
uh, to learn to teach uh, tantra yoga and to explore tantric philosophy intertwined with shamanic practices and it started on my birthday my 33rd birthday on 9th of september so i saw yeah as soon as i saw that and i was like book it, book it sign and and put the deposit again we didn't have the money for it we put together put the deposit down i said by the time we have to pay the next installment the money will be there it, it will happen and sure enough each time it came around the money just manifested and next thing we was on a plane to, to ecuador we spent five weeks out there and we studied with some amazing shamans out there um learned lots about the plants um lots about the spirit of um, certain medicinal plants including tobacco and uh, and uh, yeah, other other plants that we use in ceremony uh, learned about um, so much about nature and animals um and uh, yeah it was just an uh, an epic experience that kind of felt like it was kind of gifted to us um gosh you really were both guided to that place in that course yeah so for anyone who doesn't know what shamanism is can you outline the philosophy for us and explain how it might be of use to people in this day and age? How it was of use to me was understanding, and again, this ties into tantric philosophy, that everything is connected and tied together, almost as if life is a big tapestry, tapestry. And there's weaves within this tapestry and every weave connects to the other weave. Um, we live a very, a lot of us live a very detached life because we grow up or we live in cities and we have absolutely no connection to nature. And we see ourselves as separate to everything that's going on. Shamanic view is that we are all connected in some way, not just like connected in the physical sense of uh, uh, connections within nature, within the spirits of the trees and the animals mountains but also every single moment is connected in a way and only when I had that realization that I looked back and saw the stepping stones of my life and realized how everything like how I studied shamanism back when I was 18 and now suddenly I find myself in Ecuador and how all those moments are connected and then this brings for me, it brought an excitement of understanding that the moment I'm in now is leading to something. The same way as how you came to that yoga class and had that experience led to us having a conversation, which led to us starting a uh, a day retreat together, which is us being on this podcast now. So you start to see these kind of stepping stones um, in both directions, past and and and, and future. So for me, it keeps me very present in the moment, tying into what I was saying before about how we react to each situation, that we have this power or control over our life. If we are able to stop and look down at the stepping stone we're on, we're able to have a broader perspective and a broader look of our lifespan, both past life and and future life. It's given me a lot of perspective over my life and in each moment and a lot of gratitude and understanding of each moment. And within shamanism, there's this sense of offering yourself to every situation that comes your way this sort of ties again there's a lot of um interweavings with 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 tantra as well and learning the lessons of each moment so reg regardless of what's happening if it's something that's uh positive or negative instead of looking at the situation like something's happening to you kind of looking at going okay what can i learn from this situation how is this connected what is this teaching me and where is it leading me and what's it teaching me about the past? So yeah, it's helped me with a lot of um, perspective. Instead of like seeing just me as a singular thing moving through life, understanding that actually there's 
if I zoom out a bit, there's so much more happening. And, but it's all <laughs> connected. So everything, every action has a, as a, as a consequence. So yeah, it's, it's, it's quite hard to put into words, to be honest. <laughs> to be honest. It's, um, it's mind blowing. And when you're with the, when you're, when, when I was in Ecuador and I was with the shamans and seeing how absolutely present they are with every footstep and understanding that every footstep has a consequence. It's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's really fascinating. Almost everything almost becomes a prayer. Like every step, every word, every mouthful of food, every waking moment becomes this, this prayer, this, this almost like being a baby again, how everything is fascinating, you know, like we get so distracted and caught up in our, in our minds that we never get to kind of look around and understand and see the view of everything that's going, going on around us. So anytime I catch myself going overdrive in my mind, I'm, I come back, I breathe. I, what can I smell? What can I see? What can I hear? And come back to this present moment. Yeah. Hearing you talk about perspective, I feel is really important. And I'm just thinking about the people that have struggled this last year and a half and have had difficult circumstances or family members pass away or illness that they've had to recover from. And they might be on their stepping stone, looking mm. at the mud around yep. them. But what you're saying here is to actually zoom out a little bit from the present moment on that step and in that hard mm -hmm. place and get a bit more perspective of the bigger picture, seeing that things move forward and that yeah. nothing is ever permanent and that you definitely won't be on that stepping stone forever and that you have an opportunity to move to the next stone in the path. And there's choice how long you stay on that stone and when you want to move. Is that what you mean around the, the perspective that you've gained? Yes. Yeah, 100%. And and the realisation that when you're on that stone, so even when something, it's almost like saying like, never too happy, never too sad, because even when something good happens, we get so excited about this good thing happening that we don't see what's past it. So, for instance, when you came to me and said, let's do a day retreat together, I was so excited because I knew that that was the start. I wasn't focused. Obviously, I had some focus on that that event. Let's let's get this. But I knew, and I even said it to you, that this is this is the start of something bigger. We're on a stepping stone now, and that's when life gets excited. When you, so even when COVID happened, that first lockdown, there was a moment. I'm not gonna lie, of like, wow, what the, what we're we gonna do? Overnight, we lost everything. Our studios closed. All our retreats got cancelled. I had a baby on the way, month, a month away from having a baby. And I could have reacted to that situation and saw the negative in it. And for a split second, I did. And then I stopped and I looked down and I realised I was on a stepping stone. And I was like, how exciting is this? Everything we know, our complete construct of reality right now has just gone whoosh, taken away. Where's this going to go? So I started to get excited about it. And it ended up being one of the best things that happened to our family. Second lockdown, I had even more awareness of how amazing it could be. And I've had a, it's been fantastic for me in all, in all ways, because I changed my perspective of it. And there no longer becomes this good or bad. There just becomes situations, life. I've been hearing a lot about duality in the last year and a half and how we need to step away from the labelling of good and bad, black and mm -hmm. white, and this kind of opposite end of judgment and also perspective mm -hmm. of the truth and the kind of you're right, I'm wrong, or I'm right, you're wrong. And actually, if you take a higher perspective, it can really keep you out of the chaos and allow you to find some kind of meaning or peace even amidst the chaos and when you can stay grounded and even a little bit more aware and observe what's going on around you it's much easier to have a conscious choice or take a conscious choice about your thoughts on the situation yeah 
I think it's it's about because duality is something that just exists. It's it's nature. It's yin. It's yang. It's um, and we have to have duality to have balance in the universe. But it's about not getting caught up in that duality, observing the duality instead of um being a victim of it. Um, and and again, it goes. It's not just about the 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 the, the, the what we see as bad or negative. It's the positives as well. If anything. The positives knock us off path even more because we get so excited that we stop so you could be on this path right and you go i'm on this path and then something within that path that you've been working on happens and you are and you get this like a like a like a, a yeah like a butterfly going past and you take your eye off the path you know so it's 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 neither here or there good positive well just everything the same and and doesn't mean you can't feel happy or sad. It's like, ah, oh, okay, this is good. Okay, back back on the path. Or oh, this is this is sad. Okay, I can. It's, uh, you know, it's not about suppressing those feelings or not acknowledging them, but not getting caught up in them, not becoming a slave. Like we're gonna have good times and bad times, but then shh, focus, eyes forward again, carrying on the path. And that's also being very mindful and living from the present moment, isn't it too? So we can either, you know, live in the past or project into the future, both with fear or love. Mm -hmm. But it's really important to actually come back to the present moment, especially when there's a lot of chaos around and fear that we are sensing and seeing uh, from the world around us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been a big contrast between some people who have been extremely reactive to it. And it's caused a lot of um, unease and um stress other people have completely awakened from this experience and realized that all the stuff before doesn't matter all the stuff that they used to worry about doesn't matter anymore um i've got one one of my clients he's um high profile corporate uh, corporate work and she says every other day he's good you know what's been great it's been nine months without any botox any makeup, any, because she has to go to these posh events where she felt so pressured to to look a certain way or be a certain way. And she's just, and she's like, I'm never going back. I'm never doing that stuff again. So yeah, realising she didn't need, need all that stuff and all that stuff was an external thing. Um, she was so caught in it that she was just, just doing it. And I think people are spending more of their, um, their their energy their their money their their time on doing things that are good for them you know a lot of time we have this idea that we can't afford stuff but more times we can we just have to just direct our our energy our time our prioritize our and our finances in a different way so people were a lot of my clients are, are doing less of the things that actually didn't make them feel good and doing more of the things that make them feel good and making that conscious effort to 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 do it whether it's jumping onto a zoom class uh, online or whether it's um booking a massage whether it's going out and having a walk instead of watching tv all this um but yeah people are really pushing it now and a lot of people who wouldn't usually access this stuff or get uh, 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 are opening their eyes to it things like meditation breath work and um, even you know uh, aspects of spirituality, or even just not even spirituality, just self reflection, um, self realization. People are really open to this stuff now. When before it was quite a closed door for many people. So I think that's a great shift that's come from. And I know we've talked about this before, but you feel like there's something going on in the kind of local Worthing, Shoreham, Brighton area, don't you? There's some sort of ley line that runs through this area. I'm sure of it. There's a kind of energetic pool. Um, I didn't hesitate to move here. I'd never even heard of Worthing before. Um, literally never heard. I was when I started um, to talk to to Belzy, I met her at a ceremony in London, and we were talking. And I was like, oh, "So where are you from?" She was like, "Worthing." I was like, "You know." I thought it was somewhere in East London or something. I was like, whereabouts in London's that? Well, it's not. It's next it's, it's on the coast, next, you know, not far from Brighton. I was like, okay. 
And then I came down and hung out here a few times with her. And then when we got back from Ecuador, she was like, why don't you move to, to Worthing? And I didn't want to be in London. I needed, a, there was something bubbling. And I just moved. I didn't have a job here. I didn't, we didn't have a house. We didn't have anywhere to live. Um, we just packed, we were both at my mum's house. She'd been living in London for three months with me, helping me run my business there. I just stopped everything, jumped in the car and moved here. And just had this absolute trust that I was supposed to be here. And then slowly, one by one, you know, one of my friends moved down, another friend moved down and something started to, I met you and I met a few other like people where I felt this bubbling of energy. Um, I don't know what it's for, or what's going to happen, but I was pretty excited about whatever it is that's going to come from this, this sort of gravitational pool that's um, happening down here. So for all the mums listening, Eddie, what would be your number one piece of advice right now to give to mums particularly after the year and and a half that we've had right now um to literally take time for yourself doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter what the practice is it can be um, yoga it can be meditation it can be breath work it just matters i think it's the intention of just sit with yourself if yoga doesn't work for you try something else do something that makes you sit with yourself and focus inwards um without distraction and do it daily could be journaling could be that could be writing could be could be could be anything whatever it is taking that time to yourself um is it should be the priority it's not about the practice it's about the the intention that's lovely advice thank you so much and one last thing from me so what is the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself over the last year and a half um my ability to adapt um something that I've always kind of be aware been aware of and I've been able to adapt to little things in life but it's not until life throws you a massive curveball um that you really get to put this stuff into practice um and we had to adapt again four weeks ago and I enjoyed it so much I was like wow what a blessing we've got into lockdown I was like this is amazing like, this is so I just built everything back up after having to shut things down finally got the ball rolling I was like the ball's rolling and then bam stop and again my reaction was how how amazing is this okay thank you for this test let's 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 see if I can pass this test and I passed with flying colors for, yeah yeah I passed really well um and i'm just excited to see what the next curveball is what what else is life got to throw at us see that well it sounds like you've just taken all of the learning all the experiences all the teachings all the wisdom pulled it all together this last year to help you reinvent yourself and shape your business and and shape who you are Thank you. I'm I'm very grateful for all of the teachings that I've um, received and all of the people around me. I can't wait to see how you develop that further and take more people on that journey to find themselves the way you did yourself. That's the that's the plan. But we'll see we'll, we'll see how that plays out. We'll see what happens. Thank you so much, Eddie, for your time. That was just beautiful. So pleased that we finally got to chat together and hopefully we'll get to do a retreat or something soon. Yes, and I, I look forward to seeing what we can um, do together at some point. It will happen. Amazing. Well, um, yeah, thanks again for having me. Um, Not at all. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, please follow and share this podcast. And before I go, I wanted to tell you about my new Tapping Into Motherhood membership and community. I've created a beautiful space that gives you access to a library of tools that will help you release, heal, ground, love and connect with yourself in your own time and at your own pace. From pre-recorded tapping videos to healing audio meditations to ancestral trauma workshops and downloadable resources, covering pre and postnatal topics, your mind, body and soul are totally covered and you will find the right tools to support you on your motherhood journey. Plus, you can access a community area where you can share your journey, ask questions and get support. 
and I'll be offering support too with live tapping circles, Q&A sessions and more. The aim of this is to help you let go of the past, heal your physical and emotional wounds, love yourself more, feel so worthy and to live a more joyful life. To find out more, visit tappingformums.com forward slash membership and really hope to see some of you there.